Tonight we're going to continue with immortality. We're going to have the second lesson on immortality. And tonight I'm not so much going to quote verses. I want to explain something regarding immortality to understand why I'm saying what I'm saying uh, before we get to the Bible and the, all the things happening in the Bible, we will touch on that a lot. But in this, I want to lay a very important foundation tonight so that you can understand why the Lord's birthing this thing on the earth. Because you need to, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand immortality or sonship or anything if you don't understand what I'm going to explain tonight. And I'm going to use the Bible as a reference, of course, but I'm going to speak more in the flesh, if I can say it that way, and, and in the spirit, but yeah, you will, you will get it. But yeah, so last week I gave you some background to why I'm teaching on the topic, um, also foundational teaching just to give you some background why we're doing it, why I'm speaking on this topic, because it's a controversial topic. Do you realize, without sounding negative against any church, um, that immortality is direct a threat to rapture teaching. Have you thought of it? Do you realize it? Because rapture teaching says you're going to fly away. You're going to be raptured up and meet Jesus in the air, and then you're going to go to heaven. This says you're not going anywhere. You're going to live here. It's directly contradicting. That's why you will never hear. They cannot teach on this in a church because they believe in rapture. Think of it this way. What must a person do that teaches rapture if you ask them, why are these verses in your Bible stating this? How are they going to answer you? The verses that says, you cannot die. You are, there's immortality. The word meaning you're alive and you become immortal. Not you go to heaven the specific words, we gave you the words last week. Which one means you die and go to heaven, and which one means you die but you don't die here, you stay here. So if you have to ask a rapture um, teaching church, these verses that we're going to look at in future lessons, what, what must we do with these verses then if there's a rapture going to be? Because then it contradicts the rapture, totally. Do you see why you will not hear of this in any other church? Because it doesn't fit in the doctrine. But these, the point I want to make is, these verses are in your Bible. You cannot throw them away and say, oh, they, we, don't, we don't read these ones, because that's what they do. Every denomination, if you challenge them on a verse that they don't use, they say, but we don't teach on that. Yeah, but then why not? Why are you throwing it out of the Bible? Then it's in the Bible. Everything in the Bible should be taught on. The Bible says everything. You can't throw things away. Some, all the denominations have got stuff they throw out. That they can't teach because it doesn't fit, slot into their doctrine. So they can't teach on it. But unfortunately, most of the sheep listening to that in that, in that congregation, in that denomination, also don't read the Bible, so they don't know those verses are in the Bible. So that they know that nobody's going to see it. And most of them don't even know the verses are there. Um, I mean, I've spoken to pastors, and I've challenged, I challenge all the pastors on rapture. I'm not scared anymore. I will ask them, say to them, I don't believe in rapture. And in a nice way, we, we have a conversation. We don't fight. I know who to talk to and who not. You don't do that with a religious pastor. But then, then and we speak about it. 
Because, I mean, it, it, can't, it can't be in your Bible. This, these verses are in your Bible about immortality. Because immortality means we stay here. The whole rapture, foundation, everything is built about you go away. You fly away. So, something to think about. You, you must see these things. So, like I said last week, there was great God-fearing men that opened up the immortality teachings. Like I said, Kilevan and Kubus von Rensburg, those were the guys that opened it up on the earth. Um, Kubus in a bigger way. They were willing to put their heads out there to be chopped off by religion because that's what religion does, or to get stoned. doesn't mean what they taught on it. It is that thing had to be birthed on the earth. You see that all over. Every time God does something, he bursts it through some people. And like I've said, those people will never see it happen. It's unfortunately just the way it is. It's a biblical pattern. The one that births something, don't, don't walk in it. Um, but it needs to be birthed. Everything gets birthed, then it's got to flow, and then it happens. I'm going to say it again. It's important. Everything gets birthed in your Bible. There's a flow of 40 years in the desert. Then you go into the promised land. It's always like that. Alright, so this has already been birthed. What, what was for me very special is when, when the Lord gave me this topic to speak on last year, 2023, Kubus died in 2013. It was exactly 10 years on his death that the Lord gave me the dream about immortality. Exactly 10 years after he died. So, no, there's things that we need to, to wake up to to see what, what's going on. So last week I was sitting at home and Rian, you all know Rian that comes here sometimes, he's working night shift this week. We were just talking on immortality and we started talking about something and, and the more we spoke about it, the more I got excited with what we were saying. Because it wasn't stuff that we were planning on, but it, as we were saying this, it just became more. And I want to share that with you, what we spoke on and what, what came out of that conversation. Because it's, it's something that I said you need to know. Again, it's got to do with the patterns in your Bible. Because, like I've said so many times, if you don't see patterns in your Bible, you will miss most of your Bible. Because every pattern starts in your Bible, and like I said, when does it end? When Jesus gets manifested in his sons. So all patterns in the Bible, as they've been repeated, will be repeated until Jesus is back. It doesn't stop at the end of your Bible. No pattern to stop. And there's a lot of things I've spoken over the years with you guys that showed you there's still stuff happening and it's a pattern. No pattern is just in your Bible and it stayed in your Bible. Patterns will stop the day that the sons of God gets glorified, then the patterns will stop. You know, like baptism. We haven't stopped baptizing people, but it started with Noah's ark. They got baptized in the water. Noah. Right? Through the Red Sea. Jesus did it. You did it. We're still doing it. It hasn't stopped yet. That pattern keeps going. Speaking in tongues. It happened in the Bible in Acts. It disappeared from the earth for 2,000 years. You realize that? You know that by now? For 2,000 years there were no tongues on this planet. The last 2,000 years. It only started in the 1900s again. So, but it repeated again. It came back. Solomon says it eh, in the book of Song. Uh, what was, will be, and will come, and we know that, all right? So it's with all that stuff, but we sometimes think, no, it's just in the Bible, the pattern, where we don't even see the patterns. So, I made the following statement last week, 
and I want to say it again, so that you will understand, understand it and, and yearn after it, if that's the right word to use. You must seek it, what I'm going to say again. You must understand this thing in your whole beings. You must be able to go to the top of the mountain and scream this thing out to realize what's going on. I said to Rian, and I think I said it to Aubrey also when we spoke, there's something in me screaming inside. I can feel something is going on in the spirit. I know that I know something is going to happen. I can feel it. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow or next week, but I can feel there's a shift happening. And I don't know how to put it in words. I don't know how to contain it. But I know that I know something is lingering. A good thing. What the Lord's going to do. And that's why I want to talk on this topic. Because if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand what the Lord's doing. So my spirit's got this bubbling, boiling thing going on with... I'm excited. Because I can sense something is going on. There's something going on. There's a shift that's going to happen soon. And again in the Bible, a couple of times, shifts came. So, I can see we're at that point again. Like the Bible actually says, that we spoke about it last time, it's like giving birth. I'm like a pregnant lady at the end that wants to get the baby out. Why do you want to get the baby out? Because it's uncomfortable, but you also want to see the beauty of the baby. We're at that stage where we want to birth, see what's going to get birthed. And it's actually Christ in us that's going to get birth. But there's something that's got to shift. So, this one that I feel, as I look at Scripture, I see it's in Scripture also. The more the Lord's opening up Scripture to understand it in the Spirit, the more I get excited because I can see what I'm feeling is being opened up in the Scripture also. That's why it's so important to understand the scripture. That's why I said we don't teach Bible school here like a normal Bible school. Like, um, you know, we don't teach the Bible. There's a place for that. We here teach the spiritual uh, message in the Bible. And Jesus is the number one focus. I don't care which town is where and what river is where and uh, who's, how many kings were there and all those things. Those are baby stuff. It's good, but it's baby stuff. We don't do that here. That's a lot of people that do that. Yeah, you've got to understand the Spirit and to see what the Spirit is saying for the time that it's saying it in. Those things, uh, normal Bible schools are not focused on times and anything. It's just history and things you have to learn. All right, so. Um, but if I look at the Scripture, what the Lord is opening, I can see it, it, it matches. Um, you might ask, why now? Why now is immortality being spoken about again? Why is there more people now all of a sudden opening it up? But it's like I just said to you. In the book of Acts, people spoke in tongues. Paul spoke in tongues. And then it disappeared from the earth for 2,000 years. And it only came back in the 1900s. Why? Because God allowed it to be that way. He didn't want it in the last 2,000 years. Can you imagine in the dark ages if you spoke in tongues? What would they do with you? They will burn you in the stake. Yeah, fire. It wasn't, it wasn't there. Nobody even knew about it or spoke about it. It was just not there. Why? Because they were stupid? No, because the Holy Spirit didn't allow them to see that in the Bible. Just like you never saw immortality in your Bible, which, which is all over your Bible. You never saw it because the Holy Spirit didn't want you to see it until it's a time to release it. 
Same with casting out demons. Nobody did that for 2,000 years. It was very under the radar. Nobody spoke about it. 1900s came. The revivals came. People started casting out demons again. But it was in your Bible, fully done, all over the place. Because God allows stuff and He takes stuff away and He brings stuff in seasons. There's seasons for everything in your Bible to know. That's why you can't just understand the Bible in the natural. First understand Him in the natural and then you will understand the spiritual. So saying all of this, I want you to do, I want to take you to a place of understanding about immortality because of what's going on in the time we are living in now. Because it's saying something where we are now. Um, like I said, this is of utmost importance to understand this. And you've got to be able to apply this in your understanding when you read your Bible. Otherwise, you're not going to see what's going on. Um, I said last week, the enemy, the snake, only raises his head when he's threatened. I'm going to say it again. The enemy, the snake in the garden, only raises his head when he's threatened. Look at a snake in the natural. A snake doesn't just bite you. It's when he gets threatened by you, he will come up and strike. He doesn't, if you're just lying there and you walk past, he will not strike you. That's not his nature. So the devil, the Bible says the devil is a snake, so he's got the nature of a snake. A snake will only strike when it's threatened. Remember that. This is what I'm going to talk about. The whole thing I'm going to talk about is about that point. If he's not threatened, he's dormant. A snake. The enemy, when he got threatened, why was he threatened? Because his kingdom was under attack. He's also got a kingdom of darkness. But as soon as his kingdom is under attack, he acted on that in your Bible. And there's a pattern in your Bible for that. To, to understand that and see that. I said this statement last week, and again, you must understand this. Every 2,000 years, a son is born. That pattern is in your Bible. Every 2,000 years, a son is born. We are 2,000 years after the cross. A son must be born. How does a son going to look like? It's a one person many-membered body. So it's a lot of people. But it's spoken in the Bible as one because Christ is the head. But it's a many-membered body. It's those that love him, that sold out, that is his bride. It's not the normal Christians. There is a difference. You have your normal Christians going to heaven and then you have your sons, the ones that are in love. Because we all know it, it's not pointing fingers, but we all know most Christians don't love Jesus. They just follow Him. Am I right or wrong? They don't love Him. You might love Him, but I can get it, it doesn't matter what denomination we go to, most people in the churches sitting today don't love Jesus. They follow Jesus. There's a difference. They are saved. They will go to heaven. But to be a bride, there needs to be love. Otherwise, you cannot be a bride. If you don't love your husband, your marriage is not going to last. Vice versa. 
If you don't love Jesus, you can't, he's not going to marry you. You're not going to be his bride. You're going to, you're going to be his son and daughter, but there's a difference between being a son and a daughter and a bride. All right? So, you understand that. You must really understand this. Not all Christians are going to be sons of God. Only the ones that's in love with the son, that want to marry the son, will be a son. All right? And because every 2,000 years, a son is born. So, let's speak about the first son. He's not the main one in the story. I just want to mention him so that you can see where it starts. But the first one is who? Adam. He gets born. He was in the garden. Adam and Eve later, Eve came. They both were in the garden. And then the snake came. Why did the snake come in the garden? Because his kingdom was under threat. God was doing something in his kingdom. God was placing these two humans. There's now two of them. There were one, now there's two. And he's placed in his kingdom. And he did what his nature was. The snake's head raised. And he became visible. And he started speaking to them and saying, No, you can eat of this fruit. No, God said we cannot eat of this fruit. No, 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 it's, no you can eat of this fruit. He comes with a lie. He will always use a lie when he's threatened. Do you see why he came? Because all of a sudden he saw God's moving. And he will not allow that in his kingdom. Because he's got a kingdom of darkness. He doesn't want light in his kingdom. So the old snake raised his head and he striked. And Adam and Eve ate of the apple and he was successful. He stopped God's plan according to what he wanted to do. God wanted Adam and Eve to live forever and everybody after them. And the Adam came and Eve came and they ate of the fruit and bam, the snake's poison is planted in us. He was successful. Why did he do that? He wanted to stop God's kingdom from growing. He didn't want a kingdom of God here. He wanted only his kingdom, the kingdom of darkness on the earth. So, when he struck Adam and Eve, what happened? Sin and death entered, says your Bible. Sin and death entered, according to your Bible. Both came. So, who birthed sin and death? The snake. Not God. He is not in the dying business. He doesn't want you to suffer of Alzheimer's, of cancer, like we all do now if we die. He's in the business of life. The snake is the one that wants us to suffer when we have cancer and Alzheimer's and whatever diseases we get because we're in a fallen world, in a fallen state. We eat bad stuff and the stuff affects our bodies and we get sick and all that stuff happens. The second son, 2,000 years, just over 2,000 years later, the main one I want to talk about, one of the main ones, is Moses. He's seen as the Old Testament Messiah. People speak of him in that way. That's how important he is. So I want to give you a background story with this Moses. You can see why things happen the way they happen in your Bible. Because I can guarantee most of you haven't thought of it in that way in your Bible. You, you read the stuff, but you don't, you don't meditate on the word in that much, on those areas maybe. You, you might on other, but not on this. So the enemy knew that the Hebrews were a threat. Because they became many. You hear what I'm saying? The enemy knew these Hebrews are becoming a lot of, uh, too many. So 
So Moses came on the scene and all of a sudden the enemy raises his head again. He was dead quiet before Moses. You don't read much about the devil. But as soon as Moses comes on the scene, he is the snake again. What does he try to do? Think about it. Pharaoh wanted to stop the growth of the Hebrews and he placed a law. He passed a law on the land says every firstborn, uh, every boy born, kill it. Where did Pharaoh get that idea? The enemy. Kill every Jewish boy. They're getting, there's too many of them. The snake knew the line they were walking in. He wanted to stop that. So he says, kill all the boys. The midwives were good Christians. And they said, no, we will not do that. Right? You, you know the story what they said to Pharaoh when he cornered them and said, why are the boys still getting born? You know the story what they said to the Pharaoh? Now these Hebrew women are strong women. When they get there, the baby's already born. So they can't kill it. When they call us and we get there, it's already over. Eh? They were very clever in what they did. It says in your Bible, the one midwife that came to Moses when he was born, um, they hid him for three months. The amount, three months. He was hidden. Three. The godly number. Everything with three speaks about God. What he's doing. Truth. He gets hidden away from everybody for three months, Moses. Moses was placed in an ark, in a basket. You know it's called an ark in your Bible. You've read the word. The basket is what's called an ark. I know some of you don't know it. I'm deliberately saying it. Where did this happen before in your Bible? Hmm? Noah. Noah. When you see the patterns in your Bible, Noah had an ark. Noah did not have a boat. He had an ark. An ark is a square type of box thing. Very square. Exodus 2 verse 3. And when she could no longer hit him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and with pitch. And put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Then in Genesis 6 verse 14, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it with and without the pitch. Same things he used here, because it's got to float. It's got to be alright when it's raining, the water don't come in. See, the same thing is happening with Moses here. There's something happening here. And the enemy is picking it up. He's understanding what's going on here. Because he knows he's, from the beginning he knows he's only got a certain time to fight this kingdom. To stop this kingdom that's coming. You see, it's the same thing happening there. But it's just a side note. I want to go, go much in that. But I just want to give you, that you see these things in your Bible. I mean, Noah and Moses both saved their people. That's why Noah had to save the world, the eight of them. And Moses had to save his people. It's the same story happening there. But that's a teaching on his own. Alright, so the enemy through Pharaoh tried to stop this thing. And Moses, he's tried to stop this child getting born. Moses and them. God comes and saw to that the enemy uses Pharaoh's daughter. You know Pharaoh's daughter? She went to the river. 
And she hears this boy crying. And she knew it's a Hebrew boy. And she says, we're going to keep him. I want you to see how awesome God works. He uses the enemy's plan to raise his son for him. He chooses Pharaoh who did this, called out this killing of the boys to raise his son for him. That's God. To make it even more amazing, the next thing happened. You remember Moses' sister was watching and she saw, okay, this, and she ran up and said, can I get you a midwife? Because uh, baby needs to drink. Can I get you a midwife? And she says, yes, please. Who does she go and get? Moses' mom. And the cherry on top is, it says in the Bible, she got paid to raise Moses. <laughs> Moses' mom got paid to raise her own son. That's, that's good business. Huh? <laughs> she gets the child back. He doesn't get killed and she gets paid for it. And she sees this child. She's with him every day. She nurtures him. That's, I mean, there's only God that can do something like that. But I want you to see how he uses the enemy's plan to stop something and he flips it and he makes it even better. And I want you to understand, he got raised by Pharaoh. He knew the, the law of the land perfectly, Moses. He was raised up in it. In the enemy's own camp, he was raised, he knew everything about them. And he had the Hebrew background. Best of both worlds. And the enemy gave it for him for free. And he thought he was going to stop and kill him. And stop this thing from going further. These Hebrews from growing. So that this kingdom can come. But I mean he was schooled in the Egyptian law. Everything. And I mean, let me not get ahead of myself. But remember what I just said. So God uses the enemy's plan for his good. He still do that today. The pattern also hasn't stopped yet. Remember that. So in short, when Moses was born, the enemy came and said, kill all boys. Why? Because the enemy wanted to stop it. He wanted to stop this, this Hebrews, these people of God, to grow. He, wanted, he, doesn't, he, he saw as Pharaoh, it's a threat for them. Um, again, what happened? The snake raised his head when he saw this thing was happening on the earth. And he struck, kill all the boys. That was his plan. He's poison. Kill all the boys. God comes, who angles it through everything perfectly. And Moses grows. And he becomes a mature, mature man. Then after that, I mean, obviously the enemy saw, whoops, later my plan didn't work. These freaking Hebrews are growing again. And look how they're getting freed and all this stuff is happening. So he saw his plan didn't work. He thought it worked when he killed the boys. Forty years later, when Moses came on the scene, he saw, oh boy, it didn't work. Yes, one of the boys, which we didn't get killed. He knew exactly when Moses came on the scene, I missed that one. Because he saw to it that they got killed. So his plan didn't work again. But Adam had worked, he had failed a bit. All right? So, all of a sudden, the enemy goes quiet again after that. Because what came after Moses? the law not the ten commandments that got on the mountain after that when they built the calf and all that all the laws 600 and some odd laws came and the enemy went quiet again why because it's his law he's going to keep everybody in bondage and he's happy remember god didn't make the laws you all know that that 600 and some odd laws it was made by man yeah 613 it was made by man it was not god's plan 
God's plan was a ten on the mountain. And when they failed that, he gave them 600. He said, okay, you can't even do this. You don't want to follow this. Here's 600. Follow them. And it's man-made. And it's all about, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do this. The animals are very happy with that. And he went quiet again on the earth. You don't read about the snake much. There's one place, but I'm not going to go there now. When they were on the cross. But it's got a different meaning. I'm not going to go there now. You know, when the snakes bit them, that's also teaching on its own. But the snake went quiet again. He didn't strike much. He wasn't visible again. So he was visible with Adam. In your face, stop this. Moses, in your face, stop this. 2,000 years ago, pass, go by. And here comes Jesus and he's born. This, this, the next son, 2,000 years. Every 2,000 years, the son is born. The next son gets born. Again, the king hears of his birth, and when the king heard of this birth of this, through the wise men and all them came there. How old was Jesus when the wise men came there? Two years. Not a baby. Two years. For the people that don't know, that's watching on YouTube. Jesus was two years old when the wise men came there. They went to the king and said, listen, the son is born. He says, oh, I know there's one that needs to be born. I know of the prophecy. But he's born and he says, yes. And he says, go find out and you know the story. Go find out where the son is born and everything. And what does the king do? He pulls a pharaoh. Kill all the boys. Where did he get that idea? From the same one that gave the idea to pharaoh, the snake. Kill all the boys. The snake raises his head again. Because... His kingdom is being threatened again. I want to see how drastically and radically the snake every time raises his head when a son is born. Not much in between. You understand the pattern? Moses, kill all the boys. He's a son. Jesus, kill all the boys because he's a son. The enemy can't even think of a new idea. He used the same one that he used with Moses with this one, thinking it's going to work this time also. He failed the first time with Moses, so he thinks it's going to work this time, kill all the boys. Alright? You know the story better than you will know Moses' one. So, what happened at the end of the day? Jesus and his family had to flee. Huh? When he heard this. Where did they go to? Egypt. Same place where Moses were taught. And Jesus stayed there his whole young life before he came back. Guess what? Jesus got schooled because the best schools were in Egypt. Jesus got, went to Egypt where everything is there. You know, it's like when back in the day you had to go to Cambridge, all those places to learn, or go to America. That's where the best universities and colleges are. It's the same thing. They all go to Egypt because it's had all the stuff. But even Jesus went there. Same as Moses. I want you to see the pattern. It stays the same. Every time goes through the same things. So Jesus went there. Again, this son gets born, the snake raises his head. Kill. Well, of course, he wants to have an influence in the outcome of what's happening here. But this time he knew who this one was that's going to come. Because he heard what the prophet said, he heard what the wise men said. He knew this is the one that I started to stop. I thought I stopped it with Adam because they ate of the fruit. I thought I stopped this one from coming. Because remember, he was in the beginning. The snake knew of him. He was before the snake even. So, 
The snake couldn't stop him. Then Moses came and he tried to stop it. Why did he try to stop it? Because he didn't want this one to get born ever. That he knew what's coming. And yeah, bam, he gets born. And the snake raises his head because now it's like, what now? He's got to stop the one that he's been trying every time to stop gets born. Again, he goes, we'll kill the boys. And guess what he thought of that? It worked. The snake thought, ah, he's dead. I killed him. The boy's dead. Because I killed all the boys. He did think that. He thought he killed Jesus with all the boys. Like he thought he did with Moses. So, all of a sudden, the enemy goes quiet again. Why? He succeeded. He killed the boys. So Jesus was in the mix. He killed them. Then, 28 years later, Jesus set foot on the earth in the streets and he walks and he starts looking. Where is John the Baptist? I need to get baptized to start my ministry. Let, let me give you something to, 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 to rattle your religious thoughts a bit that you might have thought. Oh, I know you, th- you thought of it always that way. Let me, let me give it you. Because I also thought of it that way. You know, a lot of people say Jesus, you know, when he was young, he prayed for birds and they got healed. There's, there's a lot of things out there about that. Now, Jesus did miracles when he was a boy. Um, there's a lot of people that speak about those things. You know, he did these stuff. And we love to believe it. Yeah, because he's Jesus. He would, he would heal a bird if it's hurt. There's even a story that what... There's a, yeah, the young Messiah. They even in that story video, they show that. Because we want to believe it. But I'm saying to you, he didn't do anything. He was a normal boy, like the children we see outside. When he bumped his toe, he said, Hey, now flipped it saw. He played. He swam in the rivers. He was nothing holy. He was a normal, normal boy. 28 years later, he set his foot in the streets. And he looks for John the Baptist. And he gets baptized. Why? Because he needed to get baptized before he can walk in his ministry. But most importantly, he needed to get filled with the Holy Spirit before he starts his ministry. And the dove came. The Holy Spirit as a dove came on him. And he got filled with the Spirit. And then he started doing his miracles. He couldn't do miracles before that because he didn't have the Holy Spirit staying in him that, that way. He wasn't activated yet, like we would say. You understand that he had the Holy Spirit like, the whole time within him, but it got, at the, at the baptism, it got activated that he could work with the Holy Spirit now. Because remember when he was 12, he wanted to do stuff, and his mom said, no, 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 no you've got to go do what your, dad, your dad's work. Your physical dad's work, not your spiritual dad's work. You need to wait 18 years before you can do that. Because he was 12 and he was 30 when he started his ministry. Remember, he's now 28 years later because he's already two years old when he left to Egypt. 28 years later, he comes back. Bam, he gets baptized. And what happens? He goes to the desert. Who takes him to the desert? The Holy Spirit takes him in the desert. And guess who he meets in the desert? The snake. Why was the snake in the desert? The moment, I want you to see this. The moment Jesus gets baptized for the Spirit, immediately that same day, he walks into the desert and the snake's there. Waiting for him. Why? Because the snake got a heart attack that morning when he realized I didn't kill him when he was two years old. I failed again in my plan like with Moses. 
I didn't stop him. I thought he was dead. He was away for 28 years. Nobody spoke about him. He was gone. We never saw him. And here he sees. He knew what happened in the spirit the moment. What happened the moment Jesus got baptized? God spoke audibly on the earth. He said, this is my beloved son. who I'm well pleased. That rattled throughout the spiritual realm. What he spoke there. The natural and the spiritual realm both experienced that, what he said to God. And the snake heard it and he realized, oh, hell, I missed it again. And he said, I've got to make a plan. And immediately, he didn't wait a day or two, immediately goes to the desert and he waits for Jesus and he tries to get him to stop the kingdom from happening. Promise him the bread and the kingdom and everything. Why? Because he wants to stop God's plan. Because he's being threatened. But you see, he was... For hundreds of years, quiet. Hundreds and hundreds of years, quiet. Actually, a thousand years, quiet. And when Jesus walked on the earth, when he was born, he raised his head. He thought he killed him. He goes away. Two and years later, he sees he's alive. He's back again. And Jesus said in the desert to him, go away. And he couldn't touch Jesus. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying here. I'm not going through all these details for nothing. It's, it's, remember, every 2,000 years, a son is born. The enemy realized every time his plan failed. With Jesus, he had two attempts. But then, with Jesus, he thought, if I can get him, I cannot do anything with Jesus. He, he, he told me to go. I had to go because he spoke. But I'm going to use the Jews to crucify him. That will kill the kingdom of light. And he succeeded in it, but actually it was God using him. Again, like Moses, to do his work for him. And I'm telling you, the moment Jesus got nailed to that cross, the enemy was having a party, celebrating. He killed him. But he never knew about the resurrection. When Jesus was nailed and he gave his last breath, the enemy said, I've won. I had to go to three of them. But I made it with the third one. I killed him. And then three days later he realized. Well, actually that same day. Because what did Jesus do the first time, the day he killed? He went down and he took everybody out. And that's the moment that the devil realized, oops. There's a problem now. I cannot stop this anymore. With all his plans from Genesis Exodus and then in the Gospels every time the enemy failed every time the God used the enemy's plan to further his plan think of it this way I want you to see Jesus' plan, God's plan from the beginning when Adam and Eve failed he had the plan, the son needs to come it's hidden in the Old Testament everywhere, alright, the prophets said it, everything so when Jesus hung on the cross, he had to go to the cross. Because we get taught in churches and in, in Sunday school, you know, Jesus died for your sin. Huh? Do you realize there's way more to it that happened there? He went to that cross to go kill one thing. And it's called death. And the only way he could kill death is he needed to die. For our sake, because of what happened with Adam. And he went through all these motions every time the enemy came. 
Because the enemy knew if I could kill him, I've won. Because that's my strong, his strongest weapon is death. The enemy's strongest weapon is death. The angel of death. It's his strongest weapon. And he used him every time. Kill the boys. Kill the boys. He hasn't got a stronger weapon than that. And Jesus went past it every time. As his plan was growing, he got born. He went past it. The death didn't touch him. Because he conquered death on the cross. That's what he, one of the biggest things he went to go do on the cross. But we only focus as babies. Oh, he died for my sin. He died for my sin. Yes, and that's a big thing. But it's not even close to the ultimate thing. You went to the cross to get rid of the enemy's only weapon he had, and it's death. Because the enemy from Genesis could kill us. Because he brought in death on the earth, the enemy. And when Jesus went to the cross, he said to the enemy, your way of doing things is over. I conquered the, your, your weapon. You cannot use it against me anymore. Do you understand how beautiful the cross is? Why are we then dying? If he conquered it. Same as tongues. Same as casting out demons. He's waiting for the time to release it. We get little glimpses of it. People die and they get raised from the dead. We get little glimpses of it. But we don't walk in it fully yet. Because it's not the time yet. Like it wasn't the time for tongues. Do you see why tongues and all these things were birthed from the 1900s on the earth? When the first thing was birthed, I would say, let's say Martha Luther, 1500s. Martha Luther, saved by faith, gets birthed. 1900s. Tongues come back. The spiritual realm comes back to the earth. Why did all those things happen? So that the last one can come. Because those were the first ones. The last one is death. That needs to be birthed. They all need to be birthed on the earth again. And the last one is death. And they all came in a season. But you realize they're all still being used now. People are still getting saved by faith. Still getting baptized. Speaking in tongues. We need that. All those things. To walk in this thing. You can't just get up in this thing if you don't have all those things. Alright? You see why I said there's two types of Christians? The ones that are in love and the ones that are just following. The ones that are just following won't worry about these things much. Getting baptized or filled with the Spirit. You know, they don't worry much about those things. They just go to church and they follow Jesus. But the ones that are passionate will do all these things because they want everything. They want Him at the end of the day. We need to see the seasons when things are going to get birthed. I said yeah, everybody from the cross 2,000 years ago till now, so the last 2,000 years. And again, I want to say that for the people listening that might not understand this, you get a lot of Hebrew people that's saying, listen, it's not seventh day and it's not 6,000 6, years has passed. They believe it's 5,000 and some odd years. And they want to stand on that. But it's 2,000 years after the cross. They, all, they agree with that. That's what you look at. Forget about these people that fight about what days, how many days, because they want to use calendars. You must listen to what the Spirit is saying. But it's 2,000 years after the cross. They all believe that. Even the Hebrew guys believe that. But everybody from the cross till now have walked in the finished work of the cross. That means... There's healings, there's casting out demons, there's raising the dead, there's... What is the, what the Paul call all of them? 
but only a but they only had a small access to those things. Understand what I'm saying? They had a glimpse of it, of what Jesus conquered at the cross. Like I said, healing faith, causing our demons. I'm going to say it again, you must understand this. Everybody from the cross till now have walked in the finished work. We all have it. But we have only a portion. We can only use a portion of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will not pray for everybody and everybody will get healed. You will not cast out all the demons. You will not always have faith to do stuff. That means you only have a bit of it. You don't have all of it. You can try as many as you want to, you will not get there. Because nobody has done it before you also. And nobody will do it after you until Jesus comes back. Because why? It's not the time. It's not going to happen. We pray for healing. We do that because the Bible says we must do that. But not everybody is going to get healed. Like I said last week, show me somebody that walked like Jesus on the earth after Jesus. Nobody. Show me somebody that walked like Paul after the Bible. Nobody. Why? Because God doesn't allow it. It's not the time yet for the fullness. We have glimpses of it. We will pray. And let's say 10 people we pray for, two gets healed. I don't. Because we only have in part. So the next thing I want to say is, because I mean these people from the last 2,000 years that walked in the fullness, they didn't have the fullness activated yet. You understand? Some of you look like you don't understand what I'm saying. They had the fullness. You have everything. He gave you everything at the cross. When you get born again, you get everything he did at the cross, but you can't use everything. It's like I give you a million rand, but I say, okay, you can only use a third of it now. You have everything in your bank account, but you can only use a third. So what now? Can you buy everything you want? No, because you can only use a third. You understand what I'm saying now? Because you all will get pride if he had to give you everything now. You can be the nicest person on the face of the sun. You will have pride if you have to pray for everybody and they get healed. We all will have because we are human beings that we are made. Because we don't have him in us yet. So, I said here, only the sons of God are going to walk in the fullness and the finished work. You see the difference between the previous one and this one? The previous one had all of it. But they can only use a little bit of it. The sons will have all of it and use all of it. It will be access to them. Like Paul did. Why can they walk in the fullness and not have pride? A son? Because he's going to have 100% Jesus in him activated. Then you will not get pride anymore. But we all will have pride if we had to do that now. Every pastor, they can stone me for this. Every pastor that's got a big church have pride. Because it's, we're humanly not, it's not possible to, to, to withstand that attention. It's difficult. They all fall in, in that trap. Because they have two big churches. The churches are too big. Too many people. Huh? What does every singer, any, every actor that comes on the scene. Young boy actors, girl actors come on the scene. As soon as they get old, what do they have? Pride. Because of all the attention they're getting. All start off good. That's just how we are human beings are made. You can be the holiest of holiest person. You will get pride if you pray for everybody and they get healed. That's why God doesn't allow it. 
No, but we must just have faith. Remember what I said with him? Yanni said, we made faith our God. You can have all the faith in the world. You will not get everybody healed. Because God will not allow it. It's not the time yet. The time is going to happen when the sons get born. They are going to walk in the fullness. Meaning, everybody, the Lord tells them to go and pray for will get healed. Everybody. Did you hear what I said? That he tells them. Not what you want to. That he tells you will get healed. Every demon you cast out will go out. Immediately. Not with the struggles we have today. Why do we struggle sometimes to cast out demons? Because we only have in part. Everybody you pray for to not die will not die. They will live immortal. Because at that moment, everything Jesus went to the cross to die for, which the enemy tried to stop, will manifest in you. And you will do it with the humbleness of Jesus, with that authority in you. Because he's going to do everything. When you walk up to demons, they're going to ask you, what are you doing here? Why? Because they see him 100% in you. It's not because of you. If you walk down to demons, they mostly will not. They will first see, do you know we're here or do you not know we're here? They will try and figure it out. Then they don't have to figure it out. They will feel it because the atmosphere will change because of Jesus walking on the earth again in you. I'm going to explain it once more. I want you all to understand it. Everybody for the last 2,000 years have received the fullness of what Jesus did on the cross. Meaning healings and all the stuff, taking death to the cross. But in all those things we lack. We still die, we don't get everybody healed. You can go to the best healing ministry in the world, you will not get everybody healed. Because it's not the time. The ones that get more healed is because they do it more than you. That's why. And the God will bless, will bless that also. Because he gives us glimpses of what's to come. So everybody had received the fullness the last 2,000 years. But that will only come to fullness in activating it when the sons of God is manifested. How will the sons of God get manifested? I said to you last week, like Paul on the road to Damascus. A light's going to hit you and the fullness of God will be in you activated. And you will walk like a Paul on this earth. Only that day you will conquer death. You will conquer sickness. Anything. Because the fullness is going to walk in you. Do you see the difference what we have now to what we're going to receive? And a lot of teachers the last 20, 30 years have kept on preaching. Now you have everything now. You have everything now. You can have all the healings now. You cannot die now. You cannot do this now. You cannot. They all preach it. They still preach it today. But if I ask, where, why is not everybody getting healed then? No, they didn't have faith. No, because you're not allowed to heal them all. It's not the time yet for that fullness to manifest. Do you realize the snake uses demons to do his work? The devil? You know that. But do you realize every time a son is born, he comes to the scene. He doesn't use demons then. He personally comes to stop it. That's how important it is for him. Like with Adam, like with Moses, and like with Jesus, every time God moved radically on the earth, the snake sticks his head out. Everything, every pattern in your Bible will repeat itself until 
the manifestation of the sons. I said that in the beginning. So why do you think the world is in such a bad state at the moment? With humanism, is that the right way to say it? Humanisma? Humanism? Rising in the church and especially outside in the streets. Look in America, look in the Europe. Even in the Arab nations, look at what they're all doing. It's humanism standing up. I hate you, so I can kill you. Vice versa. I decide who I want to be and what I want to be. I don't listen to God. He doesn't exist. Doesn't matter what my chromosomes is, I choose. That's old stuff. To have only two sexes. Old people taught that. We don't believe in that anymore. Do you see how all these things are standing up? Humanism. In other words, me, myself and I is becoming God. And it's in our faces, it's on our TVs. It was hidden always, it's not hidden anymore. It's in our openly discussed as truth. Why? Why is this happening? I mean, if you look at switch on the TV, all you see is the Antichrist, the 666, me, myself and I. What did I just teach you? Every time a what is born, what does the enemy do? He raises his head up, visibly. What are we seeing now? The snake's head is up and it's in our faces all over the world. And that should get you excited because what does that mean? means the sons are born. What happened in the stories I just told you? They tried to kill them because they were already born. And the snake raises it, they are already born. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So it repeats itself the pattern. Unfortunately, if you look at the pattern, after they try to kill them, there's a time period where the sun's got to grow. Moses took 40 years to grow into a mature son. Jesus took 28 years. I don't know how many years we're going to have. This should get you excited. The snake only raises his head when the son is born. I don't have a date or a time. I don't know. None of us do. Nobody on this earth does. And I'm not talking about when Jesus is coming back. I'm talking about when the sons are going to get manifested. You know what I mean? He's also coming back in the sons, but you don't understand there's, a, there's two different things there. But people have become lovers of themselves. They are God. So we are in time where the enemies again, like in the Bible, visible on the earth for everybody to see. All those times he was visible. Everybody knew what was going on. The babies getting killed. Everything that happened. I mean, even look at Jesus' cross. How many historians wrote about the crucifixion? It was noted everywhere. It's not just in your Bible. So it wasn't a, a hidden story somewhere. Nobody knew about it. It was open. The enemy wants to stop God's plan. Now I want to put a warning out there for all of us. If you 
of walking in sonship. Be aware of where you go because he's killing boys, sons. He tries to kill them. Every time, he's going to want to stop you too. I'm not saying killing you literally, but he's going to get you to fall off the wagon, to go back to the normal Christianity. And not be a son anymore, just to follow Jesus. Mm. You can say, no, it's not going to happen. Be very careful how you walk. He will give you all these nice things that will pull you in. Because he wants to stop you from being the son. He did it with Moses. He did it with Jesus. He's going to do it with us also. He knows the sons are born. He's going to try everything. He's going to bring stuff in your life that you're going to fall for if you're not careful, if you don't listen to the Spirit, that will pull you out of your sonship. And that's for all of us, me included, standing in the front. Especially me, even more will he come for. The, I'm talking about people preaching this. That's why the prayer people is going to pray for us. You need to pray for me because he's going to try and stop me. We need to pray for you because he's going to come for you. Because your Bible shows it. That's how he, that's how he does it. Has always been doing it. He will not stop again. He will do it again. He's going to stop you. But it's easy for you to pull into churches and systems and stuff. You know the religious things out there. When it calls you. And you don't realize, no, I'm not going to be okay. Now you will lose your sonship. Because you're going to fall in love with the churches and the things and the religious stuff and all that. And you're not going to be in love with your, your bridegroom anymore. You've got to be very careful what we do. That's why I told you from the beginning this year, the first lesson and last week. You need to start speaking to people outside about sonship. If your Bible tells you to make disciples... Which he does, huh? We all did that. Paul tells you they need to be sons. Why don't the churches have 10-week courses on making sons? They only have 10-week courses on making disciples. Have you ever, who of you have been to a sonship seminar at a church, how to raise sons, like you did with discipleship? None of you would have. I also haven't been to one because there is no such thing. Because they all just make disciples. They don't realize there's more. Paul never taught how to make disciples. Paul looked for sons. And he said to the ones, how can I speak to you? You're not even a, you're still a baby. You're supposed to be a son and I, I wanted to make you a son. But you're still a baby. Do you understand why Paul said those things now? He wanted to make sons. Paul had the revelation of death. And he even knew he was not going to walk in it all the time. He knew it. But he wanted it. But he chose when he went. Because he knew he couldn't stay. Because it wasn't the time yet. Because nobody else lived with Paul like that. Because it was only Paul that was allowed to live like that by the Lord. Because he was an image and a type of a shadow of sonship. For us, for now, for this time. We love to quote this frame, you know, at the time such as this. It's used for everything, but that's it's actually meant for sonship. That saying, not for all the other things we use it for. What is Esther about? Bride, sonship, the marriage, the union, the love. That's why Esther gets used for that. 
because Esther is a type of the bride. What did Esther do? She was brave. That's why I said, you must be scared. You need to know what to say and when to say it. You're a son in the making. But you need to speak like a son and stop speaking like a disciple. There's a difference. It's beautiful to speak as a disciple. And you're still going to do it as you meet people that want to get saved. It's beautiful. You must do that always. But you must also be able to speak as a son, just like you can speak as a disciple. Because if you meet a born-again Christian, you cannot speak to him about discipleship. If he's seeking stuff, he's already born again. You need to speak to him about sonship. And you all need to know how to speak sonship. If you don't know, you can read your Bible. Paul did it. When somebody's still a baby Christian, you tell them, stop doing that. And then they will throw a tantrum and walk away or speak behind your back or make you look bad or whatever. But you must do that. But have you realized I don't do it with you guys anymore? Why? I don't tell you anything what you must do. I don't control you now because you're not children anymore. That's why I don't want babies that are still in their sins to sit here because that's not what this is for. There's enough places where they can go and beautiful places where they can go for that. But when you get babies, you must tell them, stop doing this and why are you doing this? And, and you know, they throw tantrums and lie and all that stuff. But that's babies. But when you get more mature, I don't have to tell you anything. You can listen to the Holy Spirit yourself. You must make your own mistakes. Like Omiani said to us, Wes Albury, he was with me, when we had to cast out our first demon. Had no clue. Have never done it. Never seen it before. That's how you're going to learn. We made lots of mistakes. But that's how you grow. Because you're at a place now where you must walk on your own. I can help you and tell you what to do. But I'm not going to come and help you do it. I've done it enough. You must do it now because you need to make the mistakes. And struggle with that. Do it yourself. The demon throws you against the wall. Next time you will not, you will not let the demon throw you again. Because you're going to learn to stand. But if he doesn't tell you to... Go away, you're going to go away. But you need to learn to grow to say next time, no, you're not telling me to go away. You go away. But you learn that stuff and everything. But I want you to realize you will always speak as a disciple, making disciples. Marie, you just had people that came to the Lord that you sent me. That will always happen and that's beautiful. We must never stop getting people saved. But the Lord is looking for those that can do the other side also. And not just this. The whole religious system only... The, no, no, I'm not... Of the whole religious system that's out there in the world, I would say 50% of them make disciples. The other 50 just go to church. The other 50% makes disciples. Two? Doesn't matter what denomination. You can go to a Reformed church, they make disciples. You can go to a... Pentecostal church, they make disciples. And they're doing a good job in their way that they're doing it. Getting people saved, I suppose, some of them. The ones that really want to do it. But tell me how many churches are making sons. And don't tell me there's no such thing as making sons. That's all Paul spoke. He never said make disciples. He only spoke to disciples. Paul hardly spoke to unbelievers. So you must talk less to unbelievers. You must speak more to believers to get them to realize their sonship. 
why do you want so quickly to get people saved to come to Jesus, but you don't want them to go to the fullness of Jesus? Because most of us just get people saved, then it's okay. Hey, they got Jesus now. Forget about what Paul, everything Paul said. No, we got him saved now. But doesn't that person deserve to hear about this more? You were so keen to tell him more about discipleship. Why are you not keen on telling him more about sonship? You haven't thought of that, have you? And that's something we must learn now. That's why I'm saying the sons are getting born. So you must then know if I'm going to be a son of God, I need to start speaking as a son. I need to learn the language as a son. How does the son speak? What does he say? He doesn't speak about discipleship, just, just discipleship. If he meets a baby, he speaks about discipleship. When he meets a, a, a disciple, he speaks about sonship. That's what it's about. I can guarantee you, you've never realized that Paul is only speaking about sonship in your Bible. You always just saw this, you know, he's fighting with the disciples, telling them stop doing this and throw this one out. That's why Paul was so strict in saying you can't even eat with this one if they do this, sexual sins and stuff. Because sonship is different than babies. Babies you can throw out and say, go, stop, do this, and they throw it But when you grow to sonship, it's not games anymore. It's real stuff. It's truth. I'm saying it again. I'm repeating this. Every 2,000 years, a son is born. We're 2,000 years after the cross. The snake's head is up. And he's saying one thing. Kill the boys. And it's not a sex thing. It's a spirit thing. Your spirit is male. He says, kill the boys. So be careful in your workplace, in your family life. He's going to use the weakest links in your life to attack you. To stop you from growing. And he's not going to skip any of us. He's going to come for all of us. And if you have Jesus, he will protect you like he protected Moses and he protected Jesus. And he will use it against the enemy if he comes for you. But stand firm and know. Because the enemy knows there's not another chance. He knows it. He hasn't got another chance. Because he was fighting to stop this from happening. And there's no more things to happen after this. He needs to stop this. Because this is his end. The son's getting born. Because death will stop his only weapon. The moment the sons get manifested, his weapon is nullified on this earth forever. Death. And that's why we need to understand the importance of immortality. How he fought from the beginning when he told them, eat of this fruit, you will not die. Remember his words were exactly that. You will not die. Because he wanted to kill so that this cannot happen. The sons can never come and Jesus can never come. And Jesus sought that out on the cross. Finished. But he's waiting for the moment to release what he sorted out on the cross. At a specific time. Like a Paul. We must have a Damascus experience. And we're all going to have it at once. Paul walked and he got it. In the upper room, 120 sat there and they got it at once. Bam! All of them received it. It wasn't this one gets it and then that one gets it. Because there's people that preach this. It's not the pattern in your Bible. The pattern says, bam, everybody gets the same thing. And the fullness of it. One doesn't get more than the other. 
because we, we know there's none of us that's more special to the Lord than the others. But Jesus had to take the last weapon of the enemy to the cross. And this is why this thing is getting birthed on the earth also now. Because this is the thing that is going to happen with the sons. They're not going to die. But we need to understand this before we can walk in this. Because if we don't walk in this, the next generation will not understand it. It's your responsibility so that the next person understands it because you have to show them how does a son walk and talk. It's a bit of a renewing of the mind again. Throwing a bit away the discipleship stuff and starting to speak like Paul, a son. That's why when you get to those disciples that are not wanting to walk with it, you don't walk with the ones that don't want to walk with you. Tell them to go. You only look for the ones that are ready. That I always say, they love ready. Those are the ones you work with. The others, Jesus will work with them. The Holy Spirit will work with them until they're ready. And there's enough places to go to for everybody, churches and groups, where they can go. You need to know which ones to work with. And then you have to speak like a son and not like as a disciple anymore. They must realize what's the difference in the two. Why would I want to be a son? And then you need to be able to tell them what's the difference. And I've been teaching you that three, four years now. You need to use all of that stuff. You don't have to know the teachings, but you need to know the gist of everything I say. We're going to get manifested. We're not going to get raptured. He's coming for his bride. That stuff. But you must get excited if you know the time we live in now. Something's going to happen soon. Because the sons are born. And if he come to kill us, then he's going to go quiet. He's still going to do his thing, but he's going to go until the manifestations are going to happen. The fullness is going to come. And that's what we're all waiting for. We hope it's in our lifetime. But if it's not, we need to live and walk as if it is so that the next generation can have it even more. Because remember what I said in the beginning, it gets birthed, it walks, and it happens. We are in the walk, the birth has happened, and we're starting to walk in this now. But we don't know when the, the outcome is going to come. So you should get excited for it.